Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Roblitz, and welcome back to the 19th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 3rd, 2021, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and wow, it kind of just hit me a lot this week that we are really closing in quite rapidly on the end of this lectionary year. We don't have that many more weeks to go, which also means we're not that far from Advent, which that's pretty scary to think about, especially within the church, that we're not that far away from that. We're also not that far from All Saints Day, which is coming up next month. So it's an exciting part of the year. I also will find that a lot of these texts these next few weeks really kind of tie together in a lot of ways, and it really kind of sums that up a little bit with the Twitter question from last week. So let's just jump into that. The Twitter question from last week, which was, first, have you prayed about your concerns? We were talking about different concerns in the world. And second, have you looked for God's action? And is it being stirred within you or someone else to do something about it. And we got some interesting responses back. One of the responses coming back talking about looking at law enforcement officers. And I think that's a really interesting one to be talking about. Last week we were talking about how we were getting a feedback loop within different species that aren't able to necessarily control their own breeding cycle and such, and that the changing climate was drastically changing how they were living in and among the world. And I think it's something that we as humans really need to continue to look at, consider and look at and think about how our effects and things that we're doing affecting things, but then also looking for insight to be able to better understand what effects that we are having. Being non-human or human entities, I think a lot of our public servants in a lot of ways get a lot of flack. And heck, I at times will say the same thing within the world in which we're in and how politicized things can get. We sometimes can have a really difficult time with fighting with that at times. But I think that's one of the things too where we have to give them some grace. We need to be able and willing to say, sometimes there are things out of my control. I can still voice my opinion but it still means that I still need to be able to listen and hear and pray for guidance, whether I agree or disagree with some of their decisions. But I would say some of the biggest concerns that I have, some of which kind of came to me this week as I was going through and just doing some daily listening this week. And it's different than what you would expect. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting either, but I'm really excited to get into it. So Let's just jump right into it. The alternative first reading this week is from Job chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Chapter 1 is essentially just laying out and kind of giving this introduction into Job that we're going to be in here for the next three weeks. And that Job is this upright guy that God really just trusts. And he kind of is interesting this week because we start seeing the deal that God makes with Satan, where Satan is noticing this and kind of how upright really is this person? Can he really be this good? And God just trusts Job so much that it states it here in verse 3. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He persists in his integrity, although you may incite me against him to destroy him for no reason. That he is going to continue to just believe in God and 
as we kind of will get into in the following weeks, he goes through some terrible stuff. He's already, by chapter 2, lost a lot of his flocks and is having his wife here at the end of this text kind of saying, why are you so persistent that God's going to continue to make good of this? And Job just continues to say, even as things are difficult now, that God is doing this and that good will come from this. And I think it's something that in a world of chaos, in a world of constant change, it's an encouraging message that we all could look forward to and live through a little bit. The psalm that ties with that is Psalm 26, verses 1 to 12. This, I think, is really summed up really well in verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. This idea of continuing to give praise to God even as things are crazy, even as things are weird, and that when things are going a little bit awry or things are not the way that I would expect them or anticipate them to be, that still keeping my integrity and my thoughts and keeping my level foundation is my faith in God. The Old Testament text then, alternative to the alternative, is Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 24. This is the Genesis 2 creation story. I love this story. I think it's a really important story, especially as a person who comes from a biology background. This is such a great text that it's kind of comical that here God has made man and realizes, oh, this person needs a helper. So he has all these animals come by and the man names all of them, which is something that I've talked about multiple times before, how it's one of the first things coming out of Genesis 2 that the man does. And I think it shows a connection that we are trying to have with nature, but finds no suitable partner. The man has a deep sleep and from his rib and gets closed up with flesh, he creates woman. And the man then says, this at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. And then we get the verse, it sometimes gets brought up in different circles, in different parts where it's semi-familiar. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And what you will see kind of ties a little bit loosely with what we will get in the gospel text. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 8. This is a very typical creation psalm talking about how majestic is the works of from heaven and recognizing and looking at how beautiful everything is around. It's the psalm probably with the most commentary written about it that there's just so much talking about the fingerprints of God. It's such an artistic, beautifully written psalm to really give a poetic stating of how God created. And so it's definitely worth checking out a little bit this week. The New Testament text is out of Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 and chapter 2 verses 5 to 12. This text is recognizing how God's fingerprints are all over what is being done in the world and recognizing how God was creating man and working with man and that the angels are in and amongst that. This is also a text that's kind of an interesting 
flavor of getting where how God still cares about all of us and has this beautiful creation. It has angels coming in to help with the guidance of us and helping us in the care of this place, but also that here comes Jesus, who is then just a little lower than the angels, but yet then takes on the human part that he tastes death for everyone. But through doing that, is able to bring us as children, as brothers and sisters together in that the salvation that is able to be brought forth because of this. And because of this, this causes us to sing praise and give thanks and admiration to God for this beautiful thing that God has done through Jesus. The gospel text this week is out of Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 16. This can be a difficult text for people in the pews. And it's one of the things that I know in Working Preacher, Caroline Lewis brought up is if you're going to preach this, if you're going to have this said, it's something that at least deserves a sentence or two talking about. This is where the Pharisees are trying to set up Jesus and asking him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He references back to Moses and that there can be a dismissal. But then Jesus kind of gets into this deeper side of it. And especially when you start getting into verses 11, 12, and 13, that, well, 11 and 12 is specifically that whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another commits adultery, but I think at times that can be taken out of context, especially if you don't look at verse 9. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And it states for coming from verse 7, getting into that. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother to be joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So no longer two, but one flesh. And that through marriage, that it's the bringing of two together, and he's referencing that coming from the creation story, which is part of why that is in this text. But then you get this important thing of the children wanting to come and see him, the disciples kind of pushing him away, Jesus welcoming them in and stating that to not let them stop and because the kingdom of God is theirs. And especially remember that this is kind of referencing like we talked about a few weeks ago, that children in this society were not looked at as something of great value. There was so much death, so much mortality death of young children, they were looked as nobodies. So Jesus recognizing them and welcoming them in, we get this warm and fuzzy feeling, but it's Jesus, I think, making a bigger statement here of recognizing what two people coming together, what can happen to its creation of another being and the deeper connection that it has. So there's a lot going on here, and trust me, I think we got an interesting faith and science tie-in this week. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs. Oh, Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. Heck, I've already referenced Caroline Lewis, one of the amazing people on that Working Preacher podcast. So if you haven't checked out that resource, I'd highly 
recommend it. It's a great free resource with amazing commentaries over there from great biblical scholars. But if you're wanting something additional to that, I would check out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the library at Vanderbilt.edu. One of the reasons that I really enjoy them is having the art there to be able to look at these different texts through the eyes of different artists throughout the past, along with having all these texts together in one spot, easily accessible. If you haven't checked out the lectionary from the library at Vanderbilt.edu or Working Preacher, I highly recommend checking out both of these resources. This week, when I'm looking at these texts and trying to figure out, okay, what is really going on here, especially when you have a difficult gospel text like we have this week, and buckle up, it's one of these things where we have some kind of difficult text here coming out of Mark at the end of his lectionary cycle. Divorce is always a difficult task, but what is Jesus really getting the heart of here? The heart of the connection that we make in marriage together and how it can then make something additional, children, that then we are still connected to, this relationship that we're connected to. But I think it's also trying to symbolize our relationship with God, this connection that we're trying to have with God. We talk about in the Hebrews text, the connection that what God did, that, okay, he created the earth, he has the angels just above them, protecting, working, being intermediaries, trying to connect, and God saying this isn't good enough, sending his own son that lower than the angels to suffer the death, to be able to make this connection and bring us even closer together that we might sing praise. The psalm recognizing the beauty of what God has created. We even have part of the creation story this week. And then we have the trust that God does have in us in the story of Job. And how even as things are difficult, Job continues to trust God and God trusted Job to begin with. How beautiful this relationship can be when walking in integrity of what we believe in faith. It's amazing. It's really amazing. But I think there's one verse in particular this week that I want to get to when talking about the faith and science tie-in, and that's going to Psalm in Psalm 8 verse 3. When you look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? And this is such a beautiful image that for how many generations have we as people looked up to the heavens, looked up to the stars, and just been amazed, fascinated, and perplexed that God, so much we assume bigger and further away, would care about us, especially as we continue to learn about how big and vast space is. Well, I'm here to tell you about something that kind of rocked my world. That sky is under attack in multiple different ways, but it's under attack. And I'll attach a link to an hour-long podcast that I listened to that I felt that he actually did a real good job explaining and kind of digging into it, the Waveform podcast featuring MKBHD talking about this. But to give you kind of the brief summary here, we have for generations sent satellites into space. And when we have typically sent satellites into space over the last 50, 100 years, 
They've been in the geosynchronous orbit, aka 36,000 kilometers away, which then allows it to kind of float along almost motionless because it's at the same speed as the rotation of the Earth. It just, it's kind of floating there. In the last decade, we have been trying and experimenting and dealing with more low Earth orbit satellites. These are at only about 500 kilometers or just over 300 miles away to about 2,000 kilometers above the Earth's surface. The advantage to these is that the communication is faster because it's a shorter distance that it has to go, thus creating a better connection to these satellites. And one of the ways that they're being used is if you've heard of Elon Musk's Starlink, which is a satellite internet service that is a lot faster than the old satellite services of the past because of how much closer it is. And the idea being that it then can reach the whole world because it's so close and it's being satellites that it would be able to connect and help with some of these places that we're having trouble getting connected on the World Wide Web. We forget that not everybody is all connected in. In doing this, we have now gotten approval for having 12,000 plus satellites in low Earth orbit for doing this communication. The problem with being in low Earth orbit is that they have to move so quickly, so thus you need a lot of satellites to cover the Earth. And the problem that then that becomes is it's become a major problem for astronomers being able to look at space. And it's especially bringing some discussion into, is this the best for what we can do? And a lot of astronomers already kind of tipping their cap saying, we're going to lose this battle. And I find it kind of an interesting thing. So let me give you one example. In 2008, we started having the approval process and now are building the biggest telescope on the planet with the biggest image sensor we have ever built so that we can try having and getting all this light and even using electromagnetic telescopes and signals to be able to hear sounds from far off galaxies. This telescope is scheduled to go online in 2027. And as you can imagine, all this stuff of pre-planning to get all this, to get the permits, to do all this, and to get the world on board for this Chilean extremely large telescope, ELT, was a process. And now, in the last five to ten years, suddenly a lot of this is coming into question because of low Earth orbit satellites. And the issue that's becoming on top of that is, yes, we have like Starlink, but now we're having more and more businesses wanting to do low Earth orbit satellites. And so suddenly now you might have a moving sky as these satellites go flying by. The other question you might ask is, I am bringing up American companies right now, and who is patrolling low Earth orbit? No one. The laws that we have for low Earth orbit and space and what we can do were written during the Cold War of the 1960s. And as you can imagine, these are a little bit outdated. And so it's 
leading to a lot of questions about what's going to happen. You have these astronomers who are having pictures and data ruined because of a satellite going through that they can't control, that they weren't told was going to be doing this, and are just essentially getting approval from one country to shoot these up. And it's affecting the whole world and what we can understand. And that it's making it extremely difficult to be able to then further understand space. And on the flip side, the difficult thing that can come from it is now we have all these satellites that aren't necessarily working for multiple companies, but one company at a time clogging up low Earth orbit, making it harder to get into space, making for more space junk. And just because of the speed that it's rotating at, any little thing can make suddenly big catastrophe up above us. And if you remember back to early 2021, that there was a debris from a rocket that was totally lost control in orbit and it could land anywhere from a Chinese rocket. And I'll attach a link to that story talking about it. And we got fortunate that it landed in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. But this could be something that's suddenly more of a regular occurrence and there's nothing we could really do about it. There's a lot of things within this to me that it's just, it's really fascinating. The idea and trying to connect people online, I think is a noble task. It's something that's worthwhile. It's something that's worth investing time and work and resources in so that we better can be connected and share resources together, both the pros and the cons that the internet brings. But is it worth doing that at the cost of space, at the cost of being able to be able to go and reach beyond what we can, to be able to not have to worry about as much space junk literally just miles above our heads for rockets to be able to shoot and maybe not have clear atmosphere being able to go up. Is it worth us more investing here on the ground? And that doesn't even get into the space race that we've been having with billionaires deciding to just get right to the edge of space. And so now you suddenly have more and more things flying in that region and making it more and more congested. And if anything goes wrong, suddenly now us below are having issues. You're probably at this point saying, Tyler, this is pretty depressing because a lot of this has already been approved. And two, how the heck does this tie to our text? I think the tie-in is very clear. The tie-in is just how connected we really are. The tie-in is we have to be able to, as humans, think beyond ourselves. We have to think beyond just us as an individual and look at it from a global scale consistently. Is low earth orbit satellites worth having the world connected, what we could potentially do by cable, though it would be difficult, at the cost of losing the stars and losing the easy accessibility to space? making it that we are dependent upon satellites and dependent upon telescopes outside of our Earth to really connect and see what is beyond us. I don't know. It's a hard question because we aren't meant to be alone as it states in Genesis. And that in a lot of ways, the internet does bring some connection to people, both good and bad, but it brings us in some way closer together. The information that we learn, we can pass on faster and easier to each other. But is it worth losing that 
beautiful creation like we've talked about with so many other things and now it's just in a more forward front space that we potentially lose it so the tour question for you is really simple this week is being connected worth losing space is being connected worth losing space i don't know if it is in my case I think it's really interesting and fascinating to think about light coming and being so far away and how long it takes for my eye to see it and realizing how small in some of those moments when everything seems to be going wrong, how small I really am. And it helps remind me how at times how small my problems really are. And for a brief moment, it does help me connect to the world around me and realize how big this place is and yet how small it is all in the same time. And for a brief moment, however big my problems may seem, suddenly seem smaller. We are all connected in so many ways. And I think it's amazing that we've been able to connect more and more over the last 20 years than we have in a lot of time and just how technology is helping that. But I think it's also important to remember the advancement of technology at times can also draw us blind to the potential of things that we could lose. And so I really hope and pray that we don't lose sight of that as we are in this. The value of the night sky and the value of how much space has taught us about our world, and I would argue about God, is vastless. I would really recommend this week checking out some of the links down below, talking about this, and I think it's something that if we can have more discussion about, maybe we can have a groundswell to talk about this more before it's too late. Because to me, I appreciate the stars. I think they're amazing, and I think it's something that I want us to be able to continue to study. I want to be able to continue to get amazing astrophotography and not just have streaks of satellites going across the sky. But at this moment, with how Starlink is going, we are getting satellite constellations that make it more difficult, make it potentially impossible to ever have that reality. And it's something that we as people have to learn to consider, the impact of what we're doing. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what the gospel text is talking about. The connection that we all have and the impact of our decisions make on that. God made decisions for us to help us, like we hear in Hebrews. We're not meant to be alone. We are meant to be connected and working with that and appreciating God's creation in doing that. And trusting that God has our best interests at mind, but that also means that we, as people, have to continue to trust God for helping us with our wisdom and praying and talking and pondering and sometimes slowing down to make sure that we are actually making the right decision. Science is hard, faith is hard, and when they come together, sometimes it's even harder. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.